Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 12 of Pigskins and Nylon. I'm Wally Lukashensky, and I'm joined once again by my great friend and co-host, Casey Mock and Hayden Ramsey. Got another fun show lined up for you guys today, another week in recruiting, another edition of our Big Ten Big Five, and we got beef sponsoring beef. But first, let's say hello to the boys, Hayden, Casey, what's going on, fellas? What's up, Wally? I'm doing great, man. Got some good weather down here, finally. I need to mow the lawn when we're finished with this. Gonna smash on a pizza later, and today's hump day, so pretty excited to get this week over with. It's kind of been a crazy one, but other than that, man, doing well. Throw it over to Hayden. I'm gonna tell you what, I am sick and tired of this this humidity. And as, as a bigger guy, I just I'm dripping. I'm just like a, a puddle all day. It's really I, I, you feel. I almost feel like I live in Florida. Like, you know, just walk outside and you're instantly drenched. The humidity has been terrible lately, and I'm really looking forward to this fall weather. I tell you what, I'm glad you brought up being a big guy in the humidity. This is a free ad, which we're not supposed to do. But last week, when I was going through all that, like the wake stuff, funeral stuff, and you're in like a church, there's a million people around you. You get hot, and we're big dudes. I started getting this, oh my gosh, I'm going to forget the freaking company. The Manscaped one. They have ball deodorant, and it's for the big dudes. I'm telling you what, I was proud all week. I kept bringing it up, and then all of a sudden, everybody was asking me about it. This stuff works. Like, for whatever reason, you throw that on. You know, I get swamp ass just sleeping at night half the time. But with that, for whatever reason, this ball deodorant, man, this stuff works. I'm, like, swearing by it right now. It's like I'm going to walk around and be that guy with the bottle. Be like, hey, you want to throw this on your, uh, your couple partners down below? Because guess what? It smells good. But that was literally my, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that was literally what I wanted to start the show with. It sounds like they should be our first sponsor. We, we should we should get that rolling on Twitter. I tell you what, I'm basically already a, like a free, pay-free one. So, I mean, I don't even know if they're going to throw the dollars my way because I'm throwing them their way instead. But I'm just saying, highly recommend, highly recommend what ball deodorant, stuff's working. I don't know. Casey, how- Casey's lost. He, he doesn't enjoy this convo. He's not, not big. He's not a big dude. He doesn't get it. And it, sorry, I'm I, no. I'm trying to look up this article that Hayden posted. No, you know, <laughs> never mind. That's probably for the best because I really didn't even have a segue into our Big Ten, Big Five. It was just like speaking of ball deodorant. Let's talk about the places we want to go to school. So it really didn't work. But I'm glad that this is actually a good way to go into that because our buddy Alex Pestel, who's been sending in a bunch of CHW questions. We actually were looking for a topic this week. We wanted to go a little off the beaten path because we've been doing a lot of like best ofs of the conference. And instead, we're like, we want to kind of reach outside the box. And he had a great question for us. So we're going to start right away with that. He says, if you have a full ride and you can't go to your school, so Hayden and I aren't going to Ohio State. Casey, I don't know if that applies to you going to Ohio State and like Michigan because you're a fan of. Either way, kind of take it however you want to go about it. Anyways, it was your favorite five schools that you would go to in the Big Ten if you had a free ride, and then a couple we're going to say that we desperately would not want to go to. So I'm going to let you guys start it off, whichever order you want. Top five full-ride schools you'd go to in the Big Ten. All right, so I based mine, you know, I did, Alex, I did a ton of research on this, a ton. Just kidding, I, I did very little. Um... But I found a website, and this is from 2016, so it's a little outdated. Not a ton, but a little bit. And basically, it has a list of a ton of different things, like 
scores. I would assume that means scores to get into the school, difficulty, you know, faculty research, just all things like that. Okay. And I pulled my list straight off of this website. So I based mine off the academic side of it, not athletic. I, I think in this question, he said like not athletics and also not the school. Or not you, just athletics anymore. Not just athletics. Yeah. Okay. So not just athletics. So I, I took that totally the other way and I went straight academics. Okay. So my number one is Northwestern. I honestly, I think that would be a fun school to go to or, you know, be at because you're only like what, like 20 minutes from Chicago. Like you're not too far away from the big city. I think that provides a huge perk to that school. Number two, unfortunately, I had to put Michigan. I actually, most people would know this, but maybe some of you who listen to I used to actually live in Ann Arbor, and I didn't mind the town so much, but it was, it's outrageously expensive. It's just, you have to, being a student there, I feel like if you're not living in like student housing and you're like renting a house or an apartment or something, I feel like that's got to be really tough because first of all, you're going to school full time and then you got to try and pay that crazy outrageous rent. But academic wise, they're obviously top notch. This website had them listed as number two in the conference. So pretty good. My third one was Illinois, which just based on scores and getting into it, I think would be a really, really good school. Not really much I can say about the uh, town itself. Never been there. We talk about Illinois being a horrible place to play a noon or an 11 a.m. kit game. So can't really talk much about that. Four, I have Minnesota. And I was actually surprised by them, how they were this, I mean, decently high, you know, top tier-ish in the conference in terms of academics. That surprised me a little bit. I didn't expect them to be even remotely, you know, I figured they would be towards the bottom. Uh, and then my last one, Wally's favorite place, Wisconsin. Another one that I guess they're middle-ish tier in the conference, but still a pretty good school to go to. Not to mention home games at Madison would be would be pretty fun to go to as long as you get there before the second quarter. Well, yeah, but then you wouldn't have any expectation to get there before the second quarter. You get to stay drinking for another hour while your team, who knows, you might show up and it's 14 nothing. You're good to go. Might as well not even show up at that point, huh? I mean, it's a different game up there. I mean, half the game is the, the pregame. I mean, you don't care as much about the result in in Madison. So, I mean, hey, I guess it's a, it depends on what you're looking for. Now, Casey, let's hear your top five real quick. I'll give you mine, then we'll shoot back around with the schools we would least like to go to in the Big Ten. For me, it was impossible to not include athletics in, in my list, or at least a little bit of it. Hayden made a good point about the schools that, you know, have high academics in in the conference, and then also I'm a, I'm a big city guy, so I mean as you'll see in my list that that was city crazy. folks just don't get it. They just don't get it, do they? So starting at number five, let's see. I do not have this written down, so I'm kind of going off um off of what I'm looking at right now. I'm gonna go with Indiana with number five, partially because I think their basketball games would be really really fun to go to, and I know. That shouldn't be my number one reason, but uh, it's got to be a decent school, right? I don't know anybody that's ever been to Indiana, but I don't know. It just seems like they can get a little rowdy, and, and that would be a, a fun experience. Number four, 
Let's go with Wisconsin. Pretty much for the same reason. I feel like their football games get pretty rowdy. Wally, you would have more knowledge on campus life and stuff like that than I do. But I, I'm going to say Wisconsin number four. And then let's go with Penn State number three. Obviously, their football games would be electric. You know, as much as I like the big city, I think I would kind of like how the campus is so secluded. Like, it's the only thing in that little town, right? Yeah, Happy Valley, it's basically, it is just that. It's a valley in between nothingness, and it's just Penn State, which I think could be really cool or really weird, whichever way you depend. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, you know, when I did my undergrad at BG, that was basically the only thing uh, that was in that town. So that very similar. I had a good time there. Uh, number two, I would go with Northwestern. Like Hayden mentioned, uh, the the high academics, but then the closeness to Chicago would really intrigue me. And then number one, I had Michigan. Probably the the best combo of academics and athletics in the Big Ten Conference. And so... You know, being an athletic guy, you know, being able to attend pretty good games would be sweet. And then obviously getting a good education. All right, well then fine, I'll jump right into mine. Mine was a little bit of everything because I didn't necessarily go into this with the athletics or academics. It was kind of gut feel at first, and I've kind of adjusted the list off of that. But here, Northwestern first, I'm going to go with five. And for a couple reasons here, it would probably be higher if it wasn't in Chicago. I can't stand that city. I don't know what it is. I've never been able to. Maybe it was the proximity to Milwaukee and the rivalry between the towns that made me kind of just start hating Chicago too. But the fact... What about Chicago-style pizza? It's terrible. If I want lasagna or a quiche, I'd order lasagna or a quiche. If I want pizza, I want pizza. It's not that hard. Okay, first of all, it's actually pretty good. Like, how many times have you eaten it? Two or three times at Giordano's, and that was more than enough for me. Did you eat the one in Columbus, or did you actually like go to Chicago? In Chicago. To... Okay. Uh, yeah, I was oh. gonna say, I bet you didn't see that coming, huh? No. Well, I don't know. I Casey and I went to Chicago, and you know, we ate that that pizza place, and I actually, you know, it's not New York style, but it's still pretty good. If you're in the mood for it, maybe. But the thing is, again, if I'm looking for pizza, that's not what I think of as pizza. And I don't know. It like that's a. I don't know. That was a turnoff because pizza is a big thing for me. At least you guys know. Like what? We tear down hound dogs every time. It feels like we're in Columbus together. There's like five places over here in Pittsburgh that probably know me by name, unfortunately. It's not good. But pizza is a big thing. And if I have to go to Giordano's, I think that's a big knock for me. But anyways, the reason I was going to put them that high, though, is because just like Syracuse, if you want to be in sports media, it's basically a get out of jail free card. No matter what, you're going to get a job. If you went to Northwestern, it feels like everyone at ESPN works at one of the two places. So that was a real reason for me to put them on this list. Four is Minnesota. I just love the Midwest, man. When I was out there in Wisconsin, we even got to drive through Minnesota once or twice. Just a great area. I know that Minneapolis has had their kind of tough little stretch here uh, from, I guess, the national perspective. But it's an awesome city. I really think that going to the Twin Cities for school would be a lot of fun. Plus, I'm a hockey guy. So you have the Minnesota Wild right there. Also, you got really good quality Minnesota, like, go for a hockey, both men and women, which would be a lot of fun. So that's why they're four. Penn State, three. Again, kind of like Casey, the whiteout and the football environment itself kind of drove them up the list for me. 
it's another one of those just old school college towns, I feel like, that really hasn't turned into a city. It still kind of has that town feel. And I, I think that'd be really cool to go be a college student in now. I probably wouldn't like it as much. But if I was 18 going back, I think that'd be high, which is the reason why I put the top two here. Nebraska and Wisconsin. Nebraska two for me, purely because when I was actually in Wisconsin in high school, it was one of the four places I applied to go to school. They aren't exactly as high on the academic overall side, but their sports program isn't terrible. It's actually, it's one of the, what I want to say top tier, top half, I should say, in the Big Ten, which would be a big reason I'd go there to begin with. Plus, again, they have a lot of the traditionalist sports views and stuff like that, which would be a lot of fun to actually be a part of. Plus, you know they're not like necessarily what Nebraska used to be, but going to a game there just seems like it's a bucket list item, which ultimately brings me to number one. I couldn't put Wisconsin higher if I wanted to. I love, love, love that area. Madison was a lot of fun to be there. Going to see a bunch of buddies, going to see Camp Randall. Just seems like those people know how to good time, or have a good time, I should say. And then, again, the academics are through the roof. You go to Wisconsin, I mean, you're a smart cookie. That's why I didn't apply there. I was smart enough to realize that I didn't want to get that rejection letter coming back to me. What In this scenario, I'm in full ride. Everything's happy. I get to be one of the guys burning a couch on Saturday night, what, midway through the first quarter, because I haven't gone into the game yet because I don't care that much. So, yeah, of course, Wisconsin has to be one. We get to talk about other reasons here in a little bit, too, as we were talking beef sponsor and beef. But first, I want to hear real quick from you guys two schools that you would really not want to go to even if a full ride was on the table. Oh, and Casey, for the record, the reason Michigan's not on here, if I was unbiased, they probably would be number one or two. But I have like so like scared memories of my like adolescence where my dad told me, basically giving me the Chris Spielman treatment, you can go to Michigan, but you're not my son. And I'm like, oh, cool, sounds great. All right, I guess we're not going to Michigan. So, uh... That's why I couldn't even fathom a world where I could put them in my top five. But otherwise, take yeah. it away. I, I'm surprised that Hayden had them at number two. That kind of surprised me a little bit. Strictly academics. Right, right. So, two that I would not want to go to. Uh, number one was pretty easy, and that is Michigan State. I, I just don't like that school. I've only actually been there one time. It just, I don't know, just doesn't seem like a place for me. Um, and then let's go number two. Hmm. This is tough because I was going to say Nebraska, but Wally, you know, kind of convinced me otherwise. Gosh, Rutgers is so close to New York. You could drive and get a nice slice of New York style pizza. Gosh, I'm going to go with Maryland and, and I have no reason behind it, but Maryland's my number two school that I would not go to. I don't know what to think of it, by the way, that pizza is such a high recruiting tool for the three of us. I, I don't know what that says about us, but that was actually one way to sway me out of my pick here, Casey. So good job. Hayden, what were your top two schools you wouldn't want to go to? So I picked Indiana and Rutgers. Yeah, Casey does bring up a decent point that Rutgers is so, clo- so close to New York. But imagine having to drive in that traffic to go get a slice of pizza. Like it's just not worth it to me. So I you're you're right. And I so when I mapped it out on Google, it said that it was an hour and four minutes and it had like traffic and everything involved with it too. So maybe, you know, a late night slice, it might only take you, you know, forty minutes to get there. But 
you got to imagine that they have some good New York-style places in Piscataway. Yeah, you would think so. Another thing is just every time I think of Rutgers, I think of those poor old guys firing the cannons when they're losing by 70 in football, and I, I don't think I could be a part of that. The cannons are getting ready to start firing more often, Hayden, so you get to feel less bad for those old men. Don't forget about that. I truly hope so. I, I really do. Well, I'm not going to take too much time because, Hayden, you actually had my top two. It's as simple as this for me. Indiana and New Jersey might be my two least favorite states I've ever been to. Indiana, I remember driving through on the way to Wisconsin, ironically enough, and there were no stations except one where it was talking about how to dental floss. And that was kind of where I'm like, you know what? Maybe this isn't the area for me. As for New Jersey, I mean, it's just like the armpit of that area, the tri-state area right there. I mean, it's New Jersey. I mean, you're not New York. You're not East PA. You're not Delaware. You're nothing like that. You're Jersey. And you have all that, like, I don't know, that stink that comes with that. I don't know. For me, I wouldn't have been able to go to either of them. But again, if I had a full ride, catch me smiling on my way to Bloomington learning how to floss. Yeah, I actually have another beef with Indiana. So I've been to the Big Ten Championship game a couple times. And they do not sell beer in, in gas stations on Saturdays. So, like, we got there early in the morning. And, and maybe maybe my experience is a little skewed. Maybe it's, like, only was this specific gas station. I don't know. But, we you know, we rolled in. We wanted to get some beer, get ready for the game. Sorry, we don't sell beer on the weekends. Are you kidding me? Like, I, I, we were at a loss. We didn't know where to go. We, we did not find beer until we... I don't even know if the stadium... Does that stadium serve beer for college games? I don't even remember that part. Lucas which Oil? really... Yeah, I don't know if they serve beer for college games. Which Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, that really turned me off. For the whole experience of getting there and not being able to find a place that has beer really turned me off. My dad and I went a couple times, and I remember we had to pack beer ourselves in a cooler and tailgate like before the game. And we didn't order beer then, so I wonder if that was like the reason why. I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. You know, we're spending our money to go watch a you know a championship game, and there's nowhere to find beer before the game starts. Like it was unbelievable. Now I will say, after the game, we did go to some bars, and it was it, it was a good time. But you can have a good time in any city with a bar. You know what I mean? Say something nice about the two schools we just were. Rutgers isn't as bad as they used to be. And Indiana basketball would be fun. Casey was right. Those are my two nice things for them. Uh, Yeah, go fighting Shianos. And I'll... Christian Wofford hitting the game winner against Kentucky will always be a highlight in my mind. So go Hoosiers. Still don't know what a Hoosier is, but that's fine. It's not a big deal. We're going to jump into topics now. And here we're going to start off first. It is going to be the quick little bit of the Buckeye talk, and then we'll be done there. But the Tattoo Five, they came out yesterday, kind of spearheaded by Terrell Pryor. They want their records restored. And for those that, for whatever reason, don't know who I'm talking about, the Tattoo Five refer to Ohio State Buckeyes from that 2010-2011 period. Terrell Pryor, Devere Posey, Boom Heron, Mike Adams, and Solomon Thomas. They wrote letters to the NCAA seeking that the records be restored. That 2010 season, they went 12-1, and only lost coming at Wisconsin. They had a share of that Big Ten title with them. And they were also the Super Bowl. <laughs> Super Bowl. That would have been weird. They were the Sugar Bowl champions as well that year. 
I was wondering what you guys thought about this, first of all. And is this a direct effect of Reggie Bush coming out wanting his Heisman restored as well? I'm sure Reggie Bush uh, has something to do with it. Well, not something to do with this particular case, but inspired them to, you know, push for this. Honestly, I don't really see why it's such a big deal in their case. I mean, Reggie Bush to get the, the Heisman Trophy back, yeah, that would be pretty sweet. But I also might be on the opposite side of thinking here. Like, you, you broke the rules when they were when they were rules. So I don't think that should change anything. I don't think Reggie should get his Heisman back, and I don't think Ohio State should get their you know 12-1 and record back with their Sugar Bowl victory. I'd like to hear your guys' take. Okay, obviously I'm going to have the exact opposite take as Casey here. He, he's right. Yeah, they did break the rules when the rules were in place. But that doesn't mean the rules were right, and it doesn't mean that the rules were... What's the word I'm looking The The rules were just. And yeah, technically they broke the rules, whatever. But we all know what's happening with college athletics now. With the nil, name, image, likeness, these guys are going to get paid. And it's time for, not just in, in this, you know, Tattoo 5, same thing with Reggie Bush. I, I think it's time to acknowledge, or for the NCAA to acknowledge that they were wrong in the past. And, yeah, maybe it doesn't mean anything to give Ohio State their 12 wins back. And everybody knows that Reggie Bush was the best player that year. But... For them, I, I think it would be a decent step for them to just acknowledge that they were wrong. In a way for them to acknowledge that they were wrong would be to, you know, reinstate the Heisman or give wins back to these these teams. And, you know, I'm sure there's other examples other than Ohio State and Reggie Bush, but that's just my take on it. Did Ohio State take away their records? I know they imposed a self-imposed bowl ban. I'd have to check. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure about that either. What I will say, though, is going back to what we were just talking about, it's, it's like going back to those ridiculous rules in like the 1900s you'd hear about, where it's like a woman would spit on the sidewalk on Sunday and she goes to jail for a week. It's like stuff like that, where just because it was well, the rule then... don't spit on the sidewalk. <laughs> you're right, don't spit on the sidewalk. But I guess just like that after it's over thing, or once you acknowledge that, hey, this was kind of ridiculous... I mean, they traded their own memorabilia for tattoos. It wasn't even like they were collecting pocket change at the time. They literally got tattoos for what they had. I think what the key point of this, or at least from what Terrell Pryor said, was this is more of a them thing. This is for them. Less of they want to go to Ohio State and feel welcome back. They don't want to feel like this pariah. And I do think that even if it's a marginal thing, I mean, think about how like incessant people are in Columbus in Ann Arbor about that rivalry between Ohio State and Michigan. I mean, you get another win against Michigan added back on. Those kind of things, they do matter to people. While it might not seem very, I guess, pressing or urgent. I mean, if it makes these guys feel better and the NCAA just has to like shove it for a little bit, I'm all for it personally. I don't think the NCAA is in the business for making people feel better, to be honest with you. I like uh, that you said making a business because it should be a business, though. We're on the same page there. Right. Okay. <laughs> but it, that's one of those where it's just, I feel like no matter what, there's going to be very opposite opinions on this. Very rarely are we going to just come to the middle and be like, hey, you know what? Yeah, you guys get your records back, but then you're still going to have 
whatever penalty there is, it's not going to happen. Uh, I don't think the NCAA will, unless you guys disagree, I don't think they're going to overturn any of this. It's going to basically take kicking and screaming like everything else does for the NCAA to come out and let these guys' records be restored. No, I don't think they will either, but do you think that like Reggie Bush's situation, I I don't know, is I think it's more pressing just because it has to deal with the Heisman, but do you think there's a higher percent chance that he would get his Heisman back? Or do you think it's all like the same at like zero? I would guess that Reggie Bush has a better chance at getting his Heisman back just because God, I, I guess I don't know. I just think it's a it's a bigger deal, maybe, but I really have no no insight or really knowledgeable opinion on that. My only thought would be you're pretending that one of the best college football players of all time didn't exist. Because that's what they did. They kind of whitewashed him from history, which is ludicrous when you consider the fact his family receiving that housing didn't affect him on the field. And for me, that was kind of the big thing. That wasn't making him juke out that Fresno State defender on the sideline that we still see the picture all over. So I think that they either way, they should both come back. But yeah, definitely Reggie Bush is, is more pressing and I think probably more likely to be overturned. Let's flip it on over now to the former Nebraska linebacker. Trev Alberts was tabbed as the new Nebraska AD today. He's replacing Bill Moose, who was the AD for 40 years. Trev Alberts was the linebacker for the Huskers in 90-93. In his senior year, he won the Dick Buckus Award for Best Linebacker, as well as being a consensus first-team All-American. I guess my question for you guys is, with the McGowan brothers being there in Nebraska basketball now, Scott Frost obviously going into his fourth year, and now bringing another legacy piece in at AD, is there a reason to be optimistic in Nebraska, or should we really expect more of the same here? Yeah, I think you have a reason for optimism basketball-wise. I think anytime you can land some good talent like they have this past recruiting class, then there's a reason to be optimistic. However, for football, I, I don't really think Nebraska is going to be anything good this year. Looking at the Big Ten preview in this magazine, they have him going 6-6 six and six with the new AD who didn't bring in Scott Frost. You got to think that they got to get to about eight wins this year if he's going to save his job. Scott Frost was there, what, a year, maybe two? I can't remember off the top of my head. Right after Trev Alberts, I don't know if there was any kind of prior relationship there. Because that you couldn't, I guess, make that case that if they have a friendly relationship, even though Alberts didn't bring him in, he might give him a longer leash, especially with that legacy factor. But I don't know. That's just my two cents. Yeah, I have no knowledge if they you know, have any sort of positive relationship. But just from expectations, you've got to think that, that Nebraska's got to start improving this year, to, to say the least, football-wise. I feel like, and I, maybe while well, you guys are so great with words, but I'm going to speed out this garbage, and then you can kind of help me along the way here. I feel like when you bring back guys who are, you know, the legacy type people, the Scott Frost and, you know, now with Trev Alberts being the AD, guys who are back from the glory days, right? I feel like that doesn't bring out a good, good, a good vibe on where things are heading. Like, I feel like that you're looking back and you're trying to bring, which is, you know, in theory, a good idea to look back to when you were relevant. 
but at the same point, I feel like you need to look forward and not backwards, if that makes sense. And I don't, I don't think either one of those hires really is going to get the job done. That's an interesting way to look at it. I hadn't thought about it that way where, yeah, you kind of are trying to do that. Like my best days were in high school. You want to relive those kind of feelings from this hire. But these, I mean, they're going to be the type of guys that are going to do the best in the press or at least in the local press talking about the past, what their goals are. But yeah, because I don't think that that fan base is all that ready to hear what their realistic expectations should be. So that that is actually an interesting point. And maybe that does move Trev Alberts to move on from Scott Frost sooner rather than later. Because it is easy to feel like Scott Frost is still early on in this Nebraska tenure. It's his fourth year. I mean, these are his guys now. At some point, we have to see that production on the field. And I guess if I'm going to play devil's advocate, we talked about it last week. Nebraska's schedule is absurd this year yet again. And the way they kind of handled last year in the COVID pandemic, you wouldn't imagine a Big Ten's going to be throwing them too many bones in the near future either. I hope for their sake that it gets better. I feel like college football is better when Nebraska's at least that nine, 10 win relevant kind of team. I just don't know how realistic it is that that's going to happen. Casey said it best. I mean, there is a lot of reason to be optimistic about this basketball season and what that could mean going forward. But man, we have to see it on the field for football. You can have these fun press conferences talking about how excited you are, how we're going to bring back Nebraska black shirt, corn husker football again. But until you see it, there's no reason to believe it actually will happen. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Wally. So Hayden, what would be the best hire, in your opinion, as the athletic director at Nebraska, if you don't think that bringing back guys from the glory days is a, is a good idea? Gosh, I kind of put me on the spot there a little bit. I don't know, and that's I, I feel like that's really tough for me to answer. But, you know, this guy's not a young guy. He's 50. Um, I guess maybe an ideal guy would be somebody... For AD standards, that's pretty young, you'd imagine, right? I, I'm thinking even younger, though. Like, I'm thinking you go somewhere in the, in the 40s, maybe even the high 30s. And and maybe that's crazy. Maybe I'm talking crazy right now. But I, I think you bring that youthfulness in, and I and maybe things don't change. But I think you can, at this point in where Nebraska's at, why not take the risk? Why not take a risk on somebody who you think can be, you know, up and coming and, and really make some changes? But like what Casey was saying, if you, let's say, move on from Scott Frost this year, you're Trev Alberts for a second, who's the first person that you're going to give a phone call to to try to entice to come out to Lincoln? Oh, man. That's, I mean, good Lord. I I don't know. Matt Campbell? Can you, can you convince uh, That was Matt? who I was thinking to. I don't know. Like, but, I, I, you know, I saw a quote from him today that, and I forget exactly what it was. He said he's not looking to go different places. He's lo- he's looking to make an impact with this with the kids that he has. So he, he might not even be a viable option. But I don't know. Somebody young like him, I think, would be a great place to try and move. If you can entice him to come. The only issue there is if you are Matt Campbell, you just built up Iowa State into something they really haven't been. And Nebraska has those unrealistic expectations. And believe it or not, it's weird to say from Iowa State to Nebraska, it's at best a lateral move. I mean, you could make a case that the way Iowa State is set up right now, and because of the conference they play in, it might be a better spot. I'd love to hear Casey. You asked the question, do you have someone in mind that you would be targeting? Oh, 
gosh. That's a that's a tough question. Coaching wise, yeah, I think the way to go is is the younger younger guy that can relate to student athletes a little bit better. I don't think Matt Campbell would even I mean, he would probably take a call from Nebraska, but like you said, Wally, I think that is a lateral move at best. He's got you know, Iowa State is probably the second best team in the conference, whereas Nebraska is probably number ten in the Big Ten. I think that's a that's a huge mountain to climb for you know Scott Frost and or whoever takes the position after him. So I, man, I don't know. I'm not sure. Basically, what we're saying is we're we're not high on Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, not high on Nebraska at all. You know, because Scott Frost. I mean, shoot, when he was leaving UCF or his last year at UCF, he was. I mean, he could have pretty much went anywhere he wanted, but. Because he was the he was the hot guy on that. So this is getting a little bit off topic, but it does have to do with Scott Frost. Why why do you think he was able to be so successful in you know recruiting around in, in Florida compared to Nebraska is completely different. But why do you think he was able to be so successful at UCF and not where he is now? And why don't you think he? You would think he would have some relationships in Florida still to be able to recruit. I mean, you you guys are the obvious recruiting guys. That I think that Casey was probably going to maybe say something similar. But even if you're not getting that top tier, the Florida talent, the Florida State talent, the Miami talent, there's so much in that state and for the conference they play in, you're still going to have a deeper talent pool. And when you kind of relate that to Nebraska, I mean you're not going outside the state or at least I guess the Midwest region too much and being able to entice these guys to come in, the big high profile guys when you know, I mean, the bigger schools probably have a more relatable or more, I guess, appealing campus culture, like upside. So I just think it makes it a lot harder for if Nebraska was willing to accept what they are, I think that would be a huge first step. But it's really hard when you have these people that grew up watching national titles and best teams ever kind of talk, and now all of a sudden you go eight and five or seven and six every year. That's really hard to wrap your head around saying, this is who you are now. No, I completely agree with what you said. You know, my thinking is, you know, at UCF, he was getting, you know, three star guys and three star guys in the AAC. Can, can win you some games, but if you're at Nebraska and you're getting three-star guys, the the 12 and 20 record that he has through three seasons is is what you get. I don't know. I I kind of maybe take a little bit of an issue with that because it's not like people outside of Ohio State and Penn State and I'll throw Michigan in there a little bit, I guess, but it's not like everybody else in the conference is recruiting at an unbelievable clip. Like with those, if they can get those three star guys, I there's there's no reason to me why they can't compete with basically anybody outside of Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State. Does that make sense or no? Yeah, I guess that it's just again it, to me it goes back to you have to accept who you are. Then, I mean, going back to Scott Frost for a second, he obviously went home. He went to his alma mater. He was fired up to have that chance. I wouldn't be surprised at all if you ask him in five years if that was a huge regret. I mean, one of you just said it, where he had really the pick of the litter coming off that UCF season, and he chose to go home. 
And I don't know, maybe I guess that's kind of going back to the Trev Alberts thing where do they give him a longer leash because of that legacy? I mean, that's not really a healthy way to go about running a program where you're just like throwing out kind of that, hey, we really appreciate all you've done, so we're going to let you go 7-6 and six while we somehow think we're going to go, what, 11-2 and two and beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten West. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Wally. I'm just looking up where Nebraska ranked in the Big Ten under the uh, Scott Frost years in terms of recruiting, and they've been at number four, right behind Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State every single year, I believe, except for 2021. That's that's why I, I don't quite understand why he can't get a little bit more well, for what he's getting. Well, okay, so in 2021, he had 20 commits, and 16 of them were three stars. In comparison, Michigan didn't have a great class. They had 10 three stars, 11 four stars, one five star. Ohio State obviously only had three three stars. Um, there was one class that was really bad. I think it was 2019. Let me let me go to that one real quick. So they finished fourth. Yep. They finished fourth in the conference with 28 recruits. And Hayden, you know, the more recruits you get, the more points you get. And, you know, the higher up you're, you're going to be, especially when it's broken down by conference. They had 28 commits and 21 of them were three stars. I just, that, that's the gap right there. Ohio State had five three stars that year. Penn State had five three stars that year. Michigan had 10. Right, again, right. right. Big, but I'm talking class. about like, I'm talking about not. Obviously, they're not going to compete with Ohio State or, or Penn State. I'm, I'm looking at their 2019 schedule back to when they had a full, you know, 12 games. Why? My question is, why are they losing to Minnesota 34-7? to Or why are they losing to Purdue? Like, those are teams that with the, the type of three-star guys that you're mentioning that they get, and yeah, they might not be world beaters, but why, why can't he get over that hump with those type of teams? And I know it's an impossible question to answer. It really is. But it's just like, yeah, I, to me, I feel like he should be getting more out of what he's what with what he's with what he's doing. I, I, I guess I see your, what you're saying. And that ultimately comes down to coaching. Maybe he's not as good of an X and O's guy as what we think. But so going back to the 2019 class, let's say. So they had 21 three stars. That was the second most three stars out of any team in the conference. Purdue had 22. So while while their top four ranking looks good because they had 28 commits, you know, 21 of them are, you know, having the the most three stars in the conference is is not really something to be ecstatic about. And so I I think it's a combination of both. I think it's coaching, and then I think it's getting the lack of talent to. Nebraska. I'm looking at their 2019 recruiting rankings for the Big Ten Conference, okay? Nebraska finished fourth, right? And you said they had a ton of commits, 28. But if you look at their average, they're the fourth best average, 88.5, still in the conference. So, yeah, they're taking more, but, like, quality-wise – they still are recruiting better than most of the teams in the conference, which yeah, take and, it for take I, it for what it is. I don't know, right? You know, and you also know that recruiting rankings don't necessarily determine the quality of the player. 
I think it also, like I said, it's a combination of both, not getting elite talent there and not, you know, coaching them up is, is obviously the issue because you're right, you know, Wisconsin had 87 um, average rating. However, they had a five-star guy and obviously have shown that they are better at developing. That's as simple as it gets and what it comes down to. I think that's a good spot for us to leave off on the Nebraska talk this week. I'm sure we're going to have more of it coming up in the following here. What, we're only, what, guys, about a month or so away here from kickoff. It's getting crazy how close it's getting. Let's go. Yes, sir. But in the meantime, beforehand, with all that NIL fallout, the name, image, and likeness, the entire Wisconsin offensive line is going to be sponsored by Mission Barbecue. A lot of people might not realize this, but Joe Thomas is a partner with many of those franchises, so it felt like a natural fit. This is beef sponsoring beef. These are the Wisconsin offensive line. We know what these guys are. They're kind of that offensive, giant, 350-pound, 6'6 vibe. Everybody knows. It's like kind of what they're known for. Is there a more perfect sponsorship out there? Because I can't really even fathom one. Literally, no. <laughs> this is the, the best possible sponsorship that the Wisconsin offensive line could get. I mean, it's unbelievable how how natural this this fitting is. It's like you have almost like a pest control or something like that. You need for like defense where it's like nothing gets by or we exterminate everything else. But an offensive line that's getting mission barbecue, especially the Joe Thomas ties, it's cool. I feel like this is one of those cool little things that you actually get to talk about with the sponsorship. A lot of it's been kind of clouded in controversy at times for whatever reason. So this was really cool, but... I'd love to hear what you thought about this case. It has to make you laugh a little bit, right? Oh, yeah, this is hilarious. Um, it is a perfect marriage, in my opinion. You know, them Wisconsin boys got to eat. When I saw this on the rundown, I thought it was hilarious and, and really perfect. I love it. Yeah, there's not really a lot to say. I just had to throw it in here because that just was so funny to me. And I'm sure we're going to see a lot more fitting sponsorships in the future. But man, what a way to kick it off here with the Wisconsin starting line. But now I want to throw us into that little rec recruiting corner here that we've been doing with you two. Can you give us any updates this week? Any big news out there for us that have kind of been on the hangover, the JTT train? Yep. We got a little bit of recruiting news this past week. Actually kind of calmed down a little bit. Not too many commits, but I'll run through them real quick. I did not put the crystal balls on here. Because Wally just left and he knows that I can take a really long time with this. So I will hurry it up and get through the commits. Ohio State got a four-star offensive tackle, George Fitzpatrick out of Colorado. Penn State did not get anybody this past week. Michigan got a high three-star quarterback, Miles Pollard out of Tennessee. They got his brother, three-star linebacker, Micah Pollard out of Florida as well. I'm just kidding. I do not think they're brothers. They live in different states. I have no idea. Anyway, uh, moving on. Rutgers didn't get anybody. Minnesota didn't get anybody. Michigan State got three-star tight end Jack Nickel out of Georgia. Maryland didn't get anybody. Northwestern got a couple commits. Three-star offensive tackle Austin Firestone out of Florida. Three-star running back Joseph Hyman II out of Arkansas. I thought that that was an interesting get because um, he's from Arkansas. I don't think that too many too many cats go from Arkansas to Northwestern, but hey, there you go. Uh, Purdue didn't get anybody this week. 
Indiana's kind of continuing their hot streak. They got four-star wide receiver Omar Cooper. He's the local boy. He's out of Indiana. They got three-star interior offensive lineman Demon uh, out of Indiana. He's a local boy, too. And then they got three-star, I don't know what, I didn't write down his position. I think he's an offensive tackle. Bray Lynch out of Texas. Illinois did not get anybody. Wisconsin got three-star safety. Austin Brown out of Illinois. Nebraska and Iowa did not get anybody. So, yep, that there's your recruiting update. There are a few guys that I would keep an eye on that are scheduled to commit. Katron Allen, he's a running back. I mentioned him last week. He's trending heavily toward Penn State. He commits July 16th. Expect him to be in Happy Valley. And then the other guy that I wanted to keep an eye on is uh, Keon Sapp. There are two schools in his top six that are in the Big Ten, and those two schools are Michigan and Penn State. This dude is uh, a pretty solid built kid out of IMG, 6'2", 200 pounds, safety, five-star guy. Right now, he only has one crystal ball, and that's to Clemson, and it's a low three-star, and I'm pretty sure that prediction came a while ago. But interesting that his only Instagram post is him at Michigan, about five pictures on his recruiting visit to Michigan. So just, just wanted to keep an eye on there. Michigan and Penn State are in the running for five-star safety. Keon Sapp, that would be a great get for, for either school. Talk about a huge get. That would be amazing if Michigan can pull that off. Well, I mean, Michigan or Penn State, really. I mean, that would that would boost Penn State up, too. That Penn State, in my opinion, has had a fantastic class so far. Uh, if they're able to, you know, land Sapp, and same with Michigan, because that would be a pretty nasty duo of Will Johnson and Keon Sapp back there. And then when Domani Jackson finally flips to Michigan, you know, that, that trio is going to be pretty naughty, especially with big – Big boy Walter Nolan coming too. Man, that defense is going to be loaded for, for three to four years. It's five, it's five star central back there on the Michigan defense. I mean, ba- basically, right? Great stuff as always from you guys. I love sitting back and listening to the recruiting corner from you guys, even because I get to do this again editing. So I have these names pounded into me because a lot of times I'm the type of fan, and I think a lot of people are, you wait until basically that early August, you fall in love with your team again. You don't know a lot about the incoming freshmen from other places unless they're your big rival or a really big name. So thank you guys. As always, this was great. We'll get more. Man, that's why I love recruiting, though. I I love going into the next season knowing the five-star guys, the four-star guys, or, you know, the three-stars who you think were were underrated and and can really make an impact. That I don't know. That's just why I kind of get the recruiting itch a little bit. No, you're absolutely right, and I think other people that listen to this also have that opinion because even the people that always give me feedback, they already tell me, like, I know more about this recruiting class than I've known about any others because typically even Buckeye fans, what do you do? You focus on Buckeye recruits. You don't look at what Iowa's doing. You don't look at what Minnesota's doing. So that's kind of a really cool thing about doing this little recruiting update with you two. So anyways, keep up the good work there, guys. But that's going to bring us to the end of our topics, which means we're going to go into our Ask CHW segment now. Our first one this week, another one from Justin Stoner. I know he's a friend of your guys, so we really appreciate it. Justin, keep up the questions here. We really definitely appreciate it. This was an interesting one. He sent a clip to us, or a PFF article, I should say, and he wants to know what our thoughts were about the four Big Ten coaches in the Pro Football Focus Top 20 Coaches list that was written by Seth Galena, something like that. 
on July 7th. Ryan Day wasn't listed on the top 20. To give you guys a idea here of the four that were, Pat Fitzgerald got number six, Tom Allen got 16, James Franklin got 18, and P.J. Fleck got 20. So his question was both, what do you guys feel about those rankings for those four? And I guess also, what was your take on Ryan Day getting left off this list entirely? He, like us, probably associated that to the lack of experience, quote-unquote. But what were your guys' thoughts? So when I first saw this, I was like, man, this totally supports my list. When we came and, uh, and you know, gave our list of the top coaches in the Big Ten. But then the fact, like, not only leaving Ryan Day out of the top 20, but not having Paul Christ on there really just discredited this whole article to me. I like, you know, having Pat Fitzgerald in the top 10 just because – what he has done with, you know, the, the recruits that he's had and, and developing some quality guys. I think it's nice that he's recognized, but, you know, to have P.J. Fleck ahead of Ryan Day and, and Paul Chris, and then even to have Tom Allen up there right now after Indiana had two decent – I mean, last year was good, but the year before that was decent. I think James Franklin has more – oh, gosh, what, what, what's – what am I trying to say here? Somebody has more credit, uh, let, let's say credit, than Tom Allen does based on experience and performances on the field. So I don't, I don't really take you know too much from this list. But you know, the, the the lack of experience is really the only reason that I could see Ryan Day not being on this list, uh, or not being you know top twenty on this list, which is what I cited as well. Real quick before Hayden, you go, I want to throw a name out there. And this was the name that I think really made this a clickbaity thing to me, where Jamie Chadwell, the Coastal Carolina coach, got 11th. And it felt like if you're going to leave Ryan Day off for, I guess, his inexperience, the fact that you kind of go with the Jamie Chadwell after a really, it was a great year from Coastal Carolina. But that one year, because I don't know, I, I don't get the feeling Jamie Chadwell was making too many top 20 lists before this past year. And it just felt like, I don't know, there wasn't a consistent standard in the way this guy was making his top 20. And that was kind of what made me not look at this as highly. But Hayden, what was your top or takeaways from the top 20 and Ryan Day getting left off it? Yeah, I actually, the the first three on this list, I really don't have too much of a beef with. And maybe you can call me a hater, but... I don't think PJ Fleck is really anything that that great. So him who, being that, hey, who were the first three on the list? I'm gonna just be bad here for podcasting. I'm gonna spitfire as fast as I can this for you, so that this way everybody at least knows who I'm talking about. So this list it goes naturally: Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Sweeney, almost called him Sweeney. That would have been bad. Kirby Smart, Lincoln Riley, Dan Mullen, Pat Fitzgerald, Matt Campbell. Kyle Whittingham, Lance Leipold. I think I said that right. But anyways, he's the former Buffalo coach. Now he's at Kansas. Good luck with that mess. Then you have Mac Brown at this stage of his career, which at one point I would have said, yeah, he recruits still at a really high clip. I don't know if I'd put him at 10 still. But then Jamie Chadwell, Brian Kelly, Jimbo Fisher, Mark Stoops, Luke Fickle, Tom Allen, Jeff Munkin, James Franklin, Billy Napier, and then, of course, P.J. Fleck at number 20. Yeah, I, I, so let me rephrase, I guess. I don't have a 
beef with the first three Big Ten coaches listed on his list. I think P.J. Fleck at 20 is not somebody who I would have in my top 20. I guess, obviously, my main beef I would have with the list is somebody that's not included, and that's Ryan Day. I think he has to be at least in your top 20. Somebody doesn't have to put him, you know, even in the top five or top eight, maybe. But I think with his resume that he's built after a couple years, I think he deserves at least to be in your top 15 at least, I would say. So, yeah, I just kind of surprised. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to take too much stock into this because I don't really think it means too much. He's kind of listing like July. I know we, I keep saying it, but it's the like clicks. It gets you to talk about this stuff. It's not like this guy's going to be sitting there holding a freaking what fence post telling everybody what Ryan Day's not top 20 throughout the year. I, I think this is more or less the we're running out of things to talk about. I mean, look, we're talking about Mission Barbecue sponsor and offensive lineman. That's the stage of the offseason we're in, but we're right there, guys. We're almost there. But we're going to go real quick. I know this kind of feeds into what we talked about a little bit with the Tattoo 5. Our good friend Dylan Canine, he asked us what our thoughts were on the players who got records and trophies revoked, a.k.a. the Terrell Pryor, the Tattoo 5. Should they be instated? I'm going to keep this quick since you did hear us talk a little bit about it earlier. Yes, absolutely. No. I I don't know. That's perfect. That's perfect. We have a hard yes, a hard no, <laughs> yep. and there we have we a, go. I don't know, maybe. I So that I don't know wasn't for the answer. It was in basically in my brain, I'm trying to comprehend how Casey can be so hard on no when nothing athletically was gained from either the Tattoo 5 or the Reggie Bush situation. So we already talked about it. Talked about it. I'm not going to go on a rant again, but the answer is absolutely they, they should. Dylan, you're the man. Sorry that you kind of walked into one of our topics early, so you didn't get exactly a hardcore long answer, but I'm hoping you look at that topic and you realize we gave this quite a bit of thought. But we appreciate that, guys. Please keep sending those questions to us. But otherwise, that's going to bring us to the end of another edition here of Pigskins and Nylon. We'll be back next week on July 23rd. We'll check back in on the recruiting trail, and we'll have another edition of our Big Ten Big Five. Please make sure you submit your Ask CHW questions, just like Dylan and Justin, by tweeting at us with the hashtag AskCHW. We'll also accept those questions tagged to us on Facebook or Instagram. Make sure you give us a follow there on Twitter at Pod. Facebook at P and N pod and Instagram also at P and N pod. Otherwise fellas, do we have any final thoughts today? I do. I do actually two, two quick ones, really quick. Number one is Alex. Thank you for, for the great idea for the big 10, big, big five. If anybody has other, you know, suggestions or ideas that they, they want to hear about by all means, let it rip. And, and I'm sure we'll, we'll take it into consideration. So thank you for that. My second one was we we've talked about nil a lot about you know the positives, the negatives, what impact they could make. Ohio State's probably starting center this year is doing something really special with with this. He is raising money for his nonprofit, which goes to help kids in. Let me let me get the exact. I think it was Nicaragua. There we go. 
so he's he you know he's doing that. It's it's I, I just think it's it's really nice to see somebody who's using you know their name now to be able to do something so special and and help some people out. Good on him. Final thought. Yeah, I uh, was listening to the radio and heard about that story. That's that's really awesome that he's doing that. My final thought is I want us to introduce a trivia section because I've had these questions on here for three weeks now, and I just want to ask them really, really bad. So my final, final thought, I'm going to ask you guys a question real quick. Shouldn't take too long. Sorry, Wally. All right, number one. Who is Ohio State's all-time leader in receiving yards? All right, so it's going to be someone that I would imagine, oh, you know, then you go back to guys like David Boston, too. No, I'm going to say it's someone that's been since the turn of the century. You're going to be looking for a four-year starter. Oh, God, Hayden, jump in here at any point if you have a name before my, me. My first thought was K.J. Hill, but I I think we talked about this before, and I don't think he's he's it. Five seconds till I need your answers. I'm going to just say Anthony uh, Gonzalez. I know it was only three years I can remember. I'm getting a lot of balls, but I'm going to go with him. I'm just going to roll with KJ. All right. Well, Wally, you were on to something about the turn of the century, but it was Michael Jenkins. Ooh, I was going to. Okay, yeah. that's good. I wouldn't have thought of him at all, by the way. Not a yeah. chance. All right. So last one, I'll, I'll leave this one because I thought this was interesting when I was looking up this stat. All right, so we all know who, who number one is for the all-time touchdowns responsible for in the Big Ten, JT Barrett. But who is number two? Can you give us maybe Big Ten East or West maybe? Because I'm an idiot right now, and I'm thinking of trying to – I'm that stuck. might give it away, but was I will it, Is it, it Drew Brees? Anyway. I was going to say Monty Ball. Ooh, good. Oh, that might be so, – So is that your guess, or do you Monty want to... Ball. I'm going to go Monty Ball. You gave me a bad look when I said Drew Brees, so I know it's not uh, him, but we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Trace McSorley. Wow. Never would have been a million years saw that. Wow. That's Holy why moly. I thought it was surprising, too. Yep. That's all I got. Drew Bree- Bree- Where's have Drew Brees on the list? He's number three, and I believe ah. he's like two touchdowns behind Trace McSorley. Dang I it. remember correctly. What, do you remember? All, I know that we're putting you on the spot here. Do you remember what the top running back would have been on that list? Because I could see it being like a Ron Dane or like another right, yeah. big like Wisconsin I, back. Yeah, I would have to assume it's a Wisconsin back, but uh, uh, put me on the spot here. I'm going to go. Now it's Melvin, your guess. Melvin, I love it. Melvin Gordon. <laughs> Melvin Gordon. Because didn't he have like 28 touchdowns in a, in a season before? I, I think so. The year, Melvin Gordon. Yeah, 2014, he was like special. Like going into that Big Ten title game with Ohio State, the whole question, realistically, on my end was, can Ohio State stop Melvin Gordon? And then can, obviously, Cardell Jones score enough to they'll get them the win? And obviously, we know what happened. But those Wisconsin backs are special, man. Casey, I actually think that's Mon- a good Monte idea. Ball, Monte Ball had 77 touchdowns from 09 to 12. He's number one on the list, It'll, according to this website. Oh, so he's the number one running back touchdown getter? Yes. Touchdown rushing, I like it. Rushing like touchdowns. Ron, Ron Dane's number two. Look at me out here just giving all the props to Wisconsin. Too uh, much of damn. it. Damn. Where's Melvin Gordon then? Number three? Come on. It'll be like James White just to like screw with you. <laughs> what other Wisconsin backs can we think of in the last 10 years? I mean, there's a million of them. Melvin Gordon is tied for number 10 with James White with 45. Oh Holy Gosh. cow. That's just one year one, yeah. Man, huh? Or I mean, Gosh. you know, with that team, 
he's probably rushing with four other NFL backs on the same freaking roster. True, true. But that's a great point, though, Casey. I wouldn't be opposed to, like, every now and then, or at least during the season, because we're not going to have our Big Ten, Big Five once we get into actual games to talk about. We could always do trivia then, or even before then, maybe sub out our Big Ten, Big Five, like, once every couple weeks and have, like, a trivia little thing where we ask each other a few questions. Yeah, that sounds awesome, but... I was just really itching to get those questions out because I thought they had some pretty good answers. But other than that, no, that's nice good. To see your faces. It's great Love to you see guys. yours too. Right. You know, my last thought, real quick, is the Pirates have to the Pittsburgh Pirates, for the record, out there, they have to basically become honorary members of Ohio State and DBU because I don't know if you guys caught it this week. They drafted four-star Penn State commit Lonnie White Jr. in the third round. They're expected to pay him at least a million dollars, potentially to entice him away and become a minor leaguer in the meantime. They also drafted Clemson quarterback commit Bubba Chandler eight picks later. So they're out here doing their best to try to help Ohio State any way they can. So naturally, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they, they have to be the best team ever, right? Love to see it. Love to see it. Go Mets. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you back here next Thursday for episode 13 of Pigskins and Nylon. 